Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. But we're going to be in the book of Isaiah this morning, so if you would turn there with me in your copy of God's Word. This is Isaiah chapter 8. beginning in verse 9. This is God's word. Be broken, all peoples, and be shattered, and give ear, all remote places of the earth. Gird yourselves, and yet be shattered. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand. For God is with us. For thus, says the Lord, for thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, You are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. And you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both the houses of Israel a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. Would you pray with me? Father, we trust that these are your words. You've given them to the prophet Isaiah. You've caused them to be written down and to endure through all these ages so that for all time your church has them. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you impress these words on our hearts and may we learn them. Feed us, we pray, because we are your sheep, the sheep of your pasture. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I was wondering how I could set us up and sort of land us in a place where we could hear what Isaiah is talking about. And as Pastor Dion was reading... This morning from Job 12, he read the perfect words to set us up. You know, it's always the case. We have people like Job's friends around us who are giving us pat, easy answers to the problems of our day. And Job says, mocking his friends, he says, he who is at ease holds calamity in contempt as prepared for those whose feet slip. If things are going well for you, and you see someone for whom things are not going well, it's easy to just say, well, this is what you have done wrong. Or sometimes you'll say, well, this is why their calamity won't touch me. I have ordered my way so that what's happening to them won't happen to me. Uh, Just to take a current example, if it's COVID-19, they have gotten 20 years older than me, so I'll be okay. Right? I saw one person who's honest and reacts, but does anyone else think that? I'll be fine. This is not for me. This is not my crisis. This is for those people. This is for the people who have health problems. This is for the people my parents' generation who were, I don't know, happy to stay home or something. I'm not sure how that makes things any better. But that's the way that we think. We always put up walls between us 
and the calamity that we see other people going through. Well, what about when everybody is in on the calamity? And that's really where we're starting to feel ourselves, isn't it? There, if, if you're not concerned about this, there's something else going on. There are riots and protests and injustices and statues being torn down. Again, if you're a Reformed person, believe the Second Commandment, maybe you're not as excited about statues being torn down, but maybe you are. But when everybody is involved and somebody stands up and has the wherewithal to say, now wait, everybody settle down. This is what God says. You can listen to that person. Because he's standing where you're standing. He's with you in the crisis. And everyone else is panicking, but he's standing. And he's saying, God says, and this is what Isaiah is doing here. He's prophesying out of a time of tremendous national calamity, national crisis, as most of the prophets in the Old Testament were. This is about 700 years before Jesus was born, and the nation of Judah had fallen on hard times. And in fact, there were armies surrounding Judah and Jerusalem ready to make war against them, besieging them. And to make matters even worse, part of the army that was threatening Judah was the armies of Israel. Some of you who have not made it through your Bible reading this far may say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Israel and Judah. Well, yeah, of course, after Solomon died, Israel and Judah had their own civil war and they were split into the north and the south. And in this case, the south was the good guys, that was Judah, and the north was Israel, the other ten tribes, um, and sometimes they're called Ephraim, sometimes they're called Samaria, and sometimes Israel. It all stands for the same thing. So most of the descendants of Jacob were in the north, and they were apostate far sooner and far more thoroughly than the people in the south, the Judeans. Isaiah is from the south. He's from around Jerusalem, and Israel is making war against Judah, and so that they'll succeed, they've made a covenant, uh, an alliance, a conspiracy with the people of, of Aram, Damascus, the capital of the Arameans. And they're coming up against uh, Judah. And in the midst of this crisis, Isaiah is sent to the king of Judah, Ahaz. He's a wicked man, but sometimes he listens to the prophet. And the prophet's job is to shore up Ahaz and make sure that he's he puts his trust in the Lord and not in anything else. And so this is part of his prophecy. Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered. So he's talking about Israel, and he's talking about Aram. Be broken, O peoples, or O Gentiles, O nations, and be shattered, and give ear all remote places of the earth. Everywhere. Listen up. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. He repeats himself for effect. Okay? Get ready! And it's not going to matter how you get ready. There are three parts in this text. There's a taunt, there's some instruction, and then there's blessings and curses and a warning. So this is part of the taunt. God, through his prophet, is taunting all of the nations. And they say, do what you can. Stockpile your weapons, 
dig in, make trenches, build up siege works, put on your armor, get the best weapons, make the best plans, and I will break. This is part of the Old Testament where we need to read it and just chills down our spine. boy. The Lord, when He speaks, speaks a fearful word. Gird yourselves, be shattered. Gird yourselves, be shattered. Devise a plan, it will be thwarted. State a proposal, it will not stand. And bringing this into the modern day, do you think that God is at work in the modern day, in our day? Terrorist attack. What happens? We will rebuild. And what does God do? Send a recession. Recession comes. It's all right. We'll get through this. We'll make some policies and we'll stand up straight again. There's school shootings. What do we do? Let's pass some more laws. Pass some more regulations. And God says, okay, I'll send a disease. Well, we'll wait for the vaccine and we'll all hunker down in our homes. We'll gird ourselves and wait, and we'll be stronger after this crisis is over. And God sends murder hornets to the upper northwest. Okay? It gets to be funny, right? If you can, if you can separate yourselves a little bit from the, from the fact that you're in it, and you can actually back up and see, whatever we do, God can do something else. So what do we do? And from page, well, chapter 3 of the Bible all the way through the end of Revelation, God just says, repent. It's not complicated. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He'll exalt you at the proper time. We'll rebuild! We're going to gird ourselves. We're going to have a better... We're going to get a Republican in the White House and we're going to stock that good old Supreme Court with conservative justices and... And in the middle of our saying that, what happens? How is that working out for you? It doesn't work out. Not to say that we shouldn't try these things. Not to say that we shouldn't take steps to prevent the decay of our culture. But how is it going to work out when we, basically, we, we don't repent? We just shout everybody else down. And we go on our way and hope that, well, those people will lose the next election and then we'll, we'll take over and we'll get it right. Part of what we need to learn from Isaiah and his prophecy is that we ought to stop prognosticating. There is no other way out of the wrath of God except the blood of Jesus, accessible through faith, by His grace, exhibited to all the world through repentance. We have to repent. Devise a plan, O nations, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, it won't stand, because why? God is with us. Now listen, if you hear that and you say, yes, God is with us. Big guys in our corner. We are the people who have God on our side. God is my co-pilot. You haven't heard what he says. God is with us. How do you hear that? The humble will hear it and rejoice. 
But people who are basically not humble, that's everybody in this room, I've never met you, but I believe what the Bible says about you. Right? We are all naturally not humble people. Okay, So this is for you. God is with us is not necessarily cheery news to everybody who hears it, even to everybody who thinks it's spoken to them. If I say, God is with us, that's not how God says it. God is with us. Okay. What do you think this means in Hebrew? Any Hebrew scholars? You don't need to answer. Anybody in this room knows what the Hebrew for this is. What is it? God with us. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. When do we talk about Emmanuel? What part of the year? Christmas. Thank you. I assume people can hear me out there, but I know Ben Gulick is following along. Christmas. Okay. Christmas is the incarnation. It is when God actually took on human flesh and He came and He was in every sense possible with us. How did that work out? What did we do to Him? Killed Him. If God actually comes to, to us in a way that we need to deal with Him, and we can deal with Him, we kill Him. Because God with us is not good news to a proud people. Right? Right? Are you there? God with us is not good news for a proud people. And so when you hear this, be broken, O peoples, and be shattered, for God is with us, you and I are in that group, O peoples. Israel was God's people, right? They came out of Egypt. They were His. They heard the commandments from Mount Sinai. They were led by Moses. They got into the promised land. They were saved through the work of Joshua. And they'll be shattered because God is with us. God has come, and He's at work. He's doing something. And now, having heard that, we can go on and listen to His instruction. God is with us, and so our mouths go closed. And we listen to Him. I mean, if he walks into the room and speaks to you, what does God say? This is what Isaiah's message is. The Lord spoke with me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people. This people meaning Judah. Right? God's people. Not to walk in the way of this people, saying, you are not to say it's a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. And you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. Okay. Age of social media, everybody has a conspiracy theory. And you are not to say, it's a conspiracy, it's a vast right-wing conspiracy. It's a vast left-wing conspiracy. Our president, before he was elected, mused about whether the... Uh, I can't remember how this goes, so I won't even bother to say it. But both sides question what the election results, the validity of the election results, right? Because everybody flees to the conspiracy theory to explain how in the world the world has not turned out the way I know the world should turn out. 
the only possible explanation for how the world is turning out, contrary to the way I want it to turn out, there must be some secret, underhanded, dirty business going on. That's what a conspiracy is. A conspiracy is somebody who's not willing to play by the rules, so they form a secret cabal. You know, and they get around a table in a smoke-filled room and drink whiskey and come up with the plan, and pretty soon, you know, you wonder, where has our denomination gone? Here's the truth. There are conspiracies. But everybody's got a conspiracy. Everybody's part of a conspiracy. Or you're lazy, or checked out, or don't care. Everybody's fighting for all they're worth for the world they want there to be. Isaiah is not saying there is no such thing as conspiracy. There was a conspiracy. Israel was conspiring with Aram to destroy Judah. And Ahaz, the king of Judah, was conspiring or would conspire with Tiglath-Pileser, the king of Assyria. Now in these days, Assyria is the big bad giant that can do whatever he wants, wherever he wants. Everybody's afraid of Assyria. And in fact, after Ahaz makes this conspiracy with Assyria, Assyria comes in, whoops up on all the enemies of Judah, and Ahaz breathes the sigh of relief. And rather than thanking the Lord, Ahaz goes to Damascus, the defeated city, takes their design for their altar, comes back to Jerusalem, puts up a replica of that altar, and basically loots the temple of the Lord to send all, those, all that gold, all that bronze, off to Assyria. Now, why did, a, why did Isaiah prophesy against that conspiracy? Because he knows this. If you enter into a conspiracy because you're afraid of a conspiracy, you don't fear God. If your conspiracy works, you will never fear God. If your plans succeed, you will never fear God. If your plans succeed, you will never fear God. Ahaz, if your conspiracy works, you will go to hell. Now, fear is understandable. We're all afraid of something today. We're afraid of where this news cycle is going. We're afraid of where the new next election is going to land us. We're afraid of what this disease might do to us. Right. It's okay. You know you're afraid. There's no sense in saying, oh, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, God is with us. You know, if you're saying that, you're, you're not understanding the fear, and you're not understanding the God who is with you. Because he sends these things to make us afraid, to humble us. Those who are never afraid of anything are not humble. So what do we do with our fear? That's the point. What do we do with our fear? Isaiah tells us, It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear and he shall be your dread. You're not to fear what they fear. You're not to be in dread of it. What do they fear? They fear losing control. You know you don't have control. 
You don't have any control. The Lord has control. So all the fear that you're tempted to fear, feel here, you just transfer that to the right place. What does the Bible say? Cast your anxieties on Him, and He'll care for you. That's why He gives you anxiety. We think about the crowns. You know, the, the elders, they cast their crowns at the feet of the king. Well, here, when you can't see the final victory, you just have to believe it by faith, you have anxieties that you get to practice your throwing arm with. God makes us afraid with, with plague and with famine, with Sahara dust. You've heard of the Sahara dust? This the, the latest thing in 2020? Um, so dust from the Sahara is making its way across the Atlantic and it will make landfall in uh, the Gulf Coast this week. Anybody heard about Sahara dust? Okay, please, nod at me. So I'm. Okay. It's real, right? And they say, they say, right? They say, the meteorologists who are denying climate change or accepting of climate change, they say it's no big deal, don't worry about it. It's just going to give us some beautiful sunsets and sunrises. Well, yeah, okay. Okay, these things are coming from God's hand so that we can trust Him and so that as bad as it gets, we can be in greater and greater awe of the hand who sends it. Who could have guessed January 1st that we'd have a worldwide pandemic, that we'd have new a new wave going everywhere of rioting and looting and protesting and awful things that police have done and, and Sahara dust and murder hornets from Asia and what are you doing still standing up? Why don't you, you know, down on your knees, fear God, see what he can do. There are prophets who talk about this in the Old Testament. I sent this and still you didn't hear. I sent this and still you didn't hear. I sent this, and still you didn't hear. All we're wanting now is when will things get back to normal? And that's the point. You are not to return to normal. You're to be permanently humbled. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. He shall be your fear. He shall be your dread. And then he shall become a sanctuary. What he's wanting them to do is quiet down. But I didn't. But I didn't do all these awful things. I'm not an abortionist. I vote for the pro-life candidate. I pray for the Supreme Court. I, 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 I got married and had kids. I'm not gay, you know. We say all these things in our hearts and think we can come to the Lord. He says, shut your mouth before the Lord. Think about how we've overreacted to our conspiracy theories. It's, we think it's discernment to reject out of hand everything that the government says now. Or we think it's discernment to do everything the government says now. This is how we've blinded our eyes to the truth because we've given up discernment to our Facebook, Twitter echo chambers and we're not thinking through the lens of Scripture, but we're not fearing God. Here's a promise. For those who fear Him, He shall become a sanctuary. He shall become a sanctuary. If you close your mouth, you will hear quiet. 
and you will have peace. And everyone else will be broken. So here's a test. I, you wonder what this would look like in real life. Here's a, here's a test, and this is one for, uh, for the younger people. So we were in a hotel this week, uh, and last night, last night, this happened. Some, uh, some children were getting off the uh, elevator near the lobby, and I had my back turned. I was filling up a water bottle or something. I didn't hear what was, see what was going on, but I heard this exchange. The, uh, the manager behind the glass, you know, that you can barely hear now because of COVID, she said, we would like you not to run in the hallway, please. You're disturbing other guests. Okay. And the children, not my children, said, and may it never be you, the children said, we just got off the elevator. It couldn't have been us. Oh, I saw it on the video camera. No, it wasn't us. It wasn't us. It wasn't us. Oh, I saw it on the video camera. Will you please not run in the hallway? Okay, can we have a trash bag? You just... Phew. They were just ducking it, not dealing with it at all. Right? So this is, this is us. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I'm innocent. If I ran, it was only a couple steps you know, from the elevator here. I'm not innocent. Immediately we ducked the charge. What should they have said? Yes, ma'am, we won't run. Okay. I stood there thinking, she's not calling the cops on you. This isn't going to go to like the Supreme Court of Hotel Managers and you're going to be pictures in the paper. What are you objecting about so much? You know, no, it wasn't us, it wasn't us. And they just went on and on and on. Just shut your mouths and say, yes, ma'am, we won't run in the hotel. When God speaks to his people and he says, don't you dare worship another God. Don't you dare abort. Don't you dare sleep with somebody before you're married. Don't you dare give yourself to pornography. Don't you dare fall into this trap. Don't you dare fall into that trap. And we say, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I'm not going to do that. I have covenant eyes and I'm... My parents are too strict for me to do that. When I go to school, I'm going to go to Bob Jones and I'm going to... Okay. Shut your mouth. Yes, sir. And fear God. And that's how we do this. Because otherwise, what happens? Notice, in this part of blessings and curses, he says, Then God shall become a sanctuary, but to both the houses of Israel and the rest of the passage I read is all... Threat and warning, and this is what will happen. You're going to fall. He doesn't spend hardly any time on the good stuff because he knows you're not going to get it. It's like Moses giving his farewell address to Israel and Joshua. And they say, we've led you all these days, and I know that after I die, and Paul, come to think of it, all these men who led the church for a while, after I die, you're going to stumble and fall, and you're not going to be able to uphold, you're not going to follow the Lord. Oh, we'll follow the Lord. We will follow the Lord. Yes, we'll follow the Lord. And they never follow the Lord. To both the house of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. They'll fall and be broken, even be snared and caught. And what do we read in the New Testament? 1 Peter 2. He says this, this precious value is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, what's the test of disbelief? How do you know if you believe? How do you know if you believe? How do you know if you have faith? The builders 
The stone which the builders rejected, this became the very corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, quoting Isaiah. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. They were disobedient. Serves them right. Glad I'm not like them. But what does he say? To this doom, they were, did you hear it? They were appointed. Somebody was throwing around the old joke about, well, I guess you're predestined to that this last week at work. As I read that passage, I thought, let's not joke about that. Let's not joke about predestination. It's awful. And I don't mean awful as in I don't like it. I mean it's something to reduce us to a holy fear. Who do you think you are when you stumble across the gate of heaven and fall down exhausted and find out that God got you there from first to last? What will you think of predestination? It's the most precious truth to me that I could ever have because without him guiding, holding, dragging, I'd never make it. I'd be stumbling across that cornerstone. I'd be stumbling across Jesus. I'd never believed what he said. I would be broken like all the others because I couldn't obey on my own. And what does that say about those people whose conspiracies you're all worked up about? What should be our attitude toward them? God help. God save. God have mercy. Came up on an intersection this last week, blocked by a protest. I made my U-turn as fast as anybody else. But maybe it would have been a good time to stop, pray, ask God for mercy on me, on the police, on the black lives that are blocking the intersection, and pray, humble ourselves, because our, even those who are really our enemies, and they're saying they're our enemies, they need the mercy of God, lest they forever be worse off. And I, through my hard-heartedness, may be forever worse off. One of my favorite scripture passages to tremble at, you know, it's good to put up a scripture passage and just practice trembling every now and then is to hear the preachers who say at the end to Jesus, Lord, didn't I prophesy? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I? And Jesus doesn't say, no, you never did any of that stuff. What does he say? Okay, but you are an evildoer. Go away. I didn't know you. It doesn't matter how high up your obedience goes when you are faithless. You're not forgiven. So we talked about obedience. We've talked about um, we've talked about the warnings. We've talked about his counsel. Don't don't get caught up in all these conspiracy theories. I want to leave you with one other thing because it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, fathers. It is Father's Day, right? Every Sunday is Father's Day, right? But here we get one day out of the year where everybody says, "Well, fathers are good," I guess. So. Let's get them a card. 
or something, whatever you do in your household. There's a scripture that I love in Jeremiah, chapter 35, and it's the classic Father's Day text. Jeremiah is battling the same battles that Isaiah is battling. He's crying out to the Judeans, please obey the Lord. Please humble yourself and accept the judgment that he's sending. And the judgment in those days was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had brought his armies right around the gates of Jerusalem, and he was fighting, and he was taking the Jews captive. And in the midst of Jerusalem, one day, this gnarly family of shepherds and tent dwellers come into town, and they set up their tents, and they start living in the walls of Jerusalem. And they don't fit in. They've never lived in a city before. They make themselves known because they're just, they don't belong. And Jeremiah talks to them and finds out who they are. He probably knows them by reputation. And at one point for a sermon, he, he gathers all the, these people in. They're the Rechabites. And he says, okay, guys, come on into this room. And he brings the leaders of Judah in uh, and he sits them down uh, uh, with tables and he just orders wine poured, and, and they pour wine out in front of everybody. Everybody's got a full glass of wine. Let's have a feast, everybody. Okay, Jeremiah says, ready? Drink up. And all the elders of Judah and the Rechabites are all around the table, and the Rechabites say, we don't do this. We don't drink wine. And Jeremiah says, why? And they say, well, because our father, Jonadab, ordered us, saying, and by father he meant great-great-grandfather many generations ago. He said, two things, boys. I never want you ever or any of your children living in, in walled cities. You're going to live in tents forever. And I never want you to drink alcohol. No wine, no walls forever. And for generations, we've done this. The only reason we're here is because Nebuchadnezzar has taken over all the outside fields and there's nowhere else for us to pitch our tents. But we will not drink wine because our father said many generations ago. Now dads, think about that. How to command your children, how to be the men whose random orders like that will echo from generation to generation to generation. My family fears God because our dad, Andrew Dion, Andrew Wolf, Chuck Fultz, our dad told us five generations ago, you will worship God morning and evening all the days of your life. You will obey the Sabbath and keep it holy. You will humble yourself and in any time of national crisis, you will not rant and rail and foam at the mouth at the dinner table about those Democrats or those Republicans or those Libertarians or those Clintons or those Methodists, you know, whatever. Okay? You are going to fear the Lord and humble yourself and pray for God's mercy. Jeremiah says, if the Rechabites can do that and follow their dad, and he told them one time, why don't you follow me? I, call, I tell you constantly, obey and I'll give you the land. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit 
the earth. Right? You want the land? Be humble. Stop pointing fingers, stop shrieking. Be humble before God. Let's pray. Father, we confess we are all too prone to point fingers and blame others for the problems that have beset us. And we are very slow to point our eyes to the ground and put our knees on the floor and confess that we are the sinner. I am the sinner. Father, we know that you have called us to fight against evil, against principalities and and powers and the world forces of this dark age. And yet too often, rather than doing that, we warn people against other people and throw off all humility and puff out our chests and say, God is with us. Father, may it be that we would recognize God is with us. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking whom, who, whose hearts are fully His. Lord, that, let that be the desire of our hearts, that we would humble ourselves under Your mighty hand, that we would seek you by faith, that when it is said that God is with us, we will rejoice with great relief and great hope, and not with the scowling eye and the frowning countenance and the wagging finger. We pray, Lord, this for our salvation and for your glory and for mercy to ourselves, to our families, to our nation. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.